0: Books for Breakfast. A podcast where we talk about books and writing. I'm Enda Wiley.
1: And I'm Peter Sir.
0: And you're all very welcome to this morning's show.
1: On this morning's show, a mix of poetry and espionage. What it's like to qualify as a solicitor and give up law on the same day. So the coffee's made. The toast is on.
0: And the books are on the table.
1: And I see you've got a couple of books of poems there on the table in front of you. Do you want to tell us um, what they are?
0: Yeah, I do indeed. And they're they're really brilliant books of poems. They're small, compact books. I love books like that, that you can just put in your pocket or your bag and carry with you. I'm a real um, advocate for reading short poems and just carrying them around in your pocket and in your head all day. So the first book I brought in is called Short and Sweet, 101 Very Short Poems, edited by the UK Poet Laureate Simon Armitage. The longest poem has 13 lines and the shortest shortest has no lines at all.
1: So no sonnets then? <laughs>
0: um, no, I don't think so. The longest and the first in the book is Emily Dickinson's After Great Pain, A Formal Feeling Comes. And the shortest, Would you like to hear what the shortest is, Peter. I would. It's the last in the book, actually. It's Don Patterson's and it goes on going to meet a Zen master in the Kyushu Mountains and not finding him for A.G. And that's it. So, uh,
1: so it's, just a, it's just a title and the rest is blank. <laughs> exactly. I'm just curious about the number 13. Why is 13 the cut off point? Well,
0: I mean, I think this is a choice by Simon Armitage himself. You see, the introduction to this book is actually excellent as well. It comes with quite a quick, quick-witted introduction with lots of pithy points which really are hard not to disagree with. Um, I think it, it, it was his choice to do that and I think it's good structure, a good framework for the book. I like some of his comments. He says, the short poem at its best brings about an almost instantaneous spontaneous surge of both understanding and sensation unavailable elsewhere. Its effect should not be underestimated and its design not confused with convenience. I think that's really true. I think a lot of readers might think, oh it's just a short poem, I can throw it away.
1: Is there a sense that the short poem is somehow not valued much in our society, whatever, that the people are a little bit iffy about it? Is that, is that what he's trying to address?
0: Yeah, I definitely think that. I think Simon Armitage, um, as would most people who read poetry and know about poetry, they would know that it's actually extremely difficult to write a short poem. In fact, I, I feel as a practitioner myself, it might even be harder to write a short poem than it is to write a long one. And he just goes on to prove how the short poem can be packed with complex narratives, argument, passion, love, wisdom, music, really everything. As he says, concentration in its concentrated form. So um, in in the poems in this book, like there are some very well-known ones like William Carlos's Williams, This Is Just To Say. I know, I'm sure you know that poem, Peter. that I've eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet and so cold. Um, There are other wonderful poems like I Love In The Desert by Stephen Crane. In the desert I saw a creature, naked, bestial, who, squatting upon the ground, held his heart in his hands and ate of it. I said, is it good, friend? It is bitter, bitter, he answered, but I like it because it is bitter, and because it is my heart.
1: Yeah, I kind sort of because I, I like there's something about short poems that I like a lot, of, um, and I think like there's always been you know throughout literary history there's been a bit of a struggle sometimes between short poems and long poems. I mean, I can remember reading, you know, that like the even. The, back in 300 BC the Callimachus um, writing short poems and he had this idea he said um, you know mega biblion kakon the big book is bad and we, we we want little books now we want little poems forget your Homer and all that kind of stuff mm. or or I mm. think indeed I think of um, you know the great Japanese tradition I think of all those great you know single line poems I mean the haiku that were often or that are in Japanese written as a single line I mean people like Isa and, and Busan I mean poems like you know, goes out, comes back, love life of a cat or mm. the man pulling radishes points my way with a radish. Mm. You know, that's that's Etha.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're brilliant poems to read. I also love it's a famous love poem. It, it, it's just we, we're not sure who wrote it many centuries ago. It's just anonymous. Western wind when wilt thou blow the small rain down can rain Christ of my love were in my arms and I in my bed again Yeah one of the
1: best loved poems in the English language probably yeah
0: Most definitely and then there is humor in this book that Simon Armitage has edited as well um I like Christopher Logue's To a Friend in Rural Isolation when all else fails, try Wales.
1: Oh, that's very unfair in Wales, isn't it?
0: Oh, very unfair. And then what about Charles Simic? There's an ominous um, kind of quality to this poem, Evening Chess." The Black Queen Raised High in My Father's Hand. Yeah, yeah, really good stuff. So I think fair play to Simon Armitage, really. And I think I recommend this book, Peter. So this that's why I brought it in. It's
1: an old one. I mean, it came out several years ago. I, mean, I know it's its its one I've had. In fact, I think I've bought several copies of it because I've, I've used it so often. Um, yeah, well,
0: this this copy is extremely well-thumbed. It came out actually in 1988 and it's published by Faber and Faber. Um, and I definitely would recommend that. As a companion piece, I did bring in as well, you can see it here on the table, The Hip Flask, short poems from Ireland edited by our current um, Ireland Chair of Poetry, Frank Ormsby. Um, and I'm not sure. Is this book? It can be tricky to get, but it is. It is available if you if you check.
1: Yeah, well, it came out from Blackstaff years ago. It may not be in print, but it should be possible to get. Get that's, your hands on a copy yeah, if you want. Yeah, that's, that's it's, it's sort of good stuff. Really as well. good
0: stuff. So, you've poets like Carlo Sharkey, and Carl Matthews, Chris Agee, Dermot Bulger, Michael O'Loughlin, Nulli Oh, there's just really good poems in this.
1: Tom Matthews as well. Some great stuff. Oh,
0: Tom Matthews, Even the Whales. Yeah, I love that. Even the Whales now communicate sparingly with staccato cries. Polyphony it was yesterday's song. We are minimalists now. Even the whales.
1: I know. I know. I notice whale poems because you had another choice there, and I, and I notice a whale poem in that.
0: Um, well, I think you're referring to this other book that I brought in. It's called the Word Arc. It's a pocket anthology of poems. Responding to our fellow creatures, great and small, and it's published by Daedalus Press. And what I really admire about this book is that Pat and the editor of Daedalus Press, brought this book out right in the middle of lockdown. So I'd like to congratulate him on it. It's a pocket-sized book and it really is quite small and neat. It's got beautiful illustrations by Gaetano Tranchino, a Sicilian artist and illustrator, and um, I admire the way Pat has laid out the contents page because it's the animals that take prominence, not the poets, even though the poets wrote these poems. So you have poems about badgers, beetles, blackbirds, cows. We're not allowed
1: to mention that you have a couple of poems in it yourself, isn't, it? isn't that right?
0: Well, actually, um, I do have some poems in it, but um, I would like to mention on the page, one of the my poems I have is about a hare, but on, I'm sharing the same page with another Enda, actually, another poet called Enda, Enda Coyle Green, and she has written a poem about a hare as well, and um, I'd like to read this poem. I think it's 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 a really fine poem from Enda Coil Green in the Word Ark. The hare, somewhere between Droheda and Dunleer, I saw a leggy hare crossing an open field. The train seemed slowed to the animal's lope. His ancient shape shifting, unrequited, trapes to the cover of trees. But in the time it takes a gaze to angle, steady aim, the hair and I weren't there. His life, my life, lost in the lick of wheels on track. That instant velocity of always elsewhere. I like that. Uh,
1: That's very good. I, a, I like. There's a couple. There's a couple that I like as well. Um, if you give us the book, there, Misses. <laughs> I like, I like, for instance, like those, just to, to lower the tone a bit, animal wise, I liked John Kelly's poem about rats, oh, for yeah, instance. Yeah, that's a very good poem. Just, you know, you can't have an animal poem without having a rat in it, I think. There's always rats, even at beauty spots like Sandy Mount Strand, where the trouser leg of Bloom shuddered at the sight of Jerry's upper thighs. These rocks are rife with rats and labyrinth and, sorry, and Labyrinthine and the other one, um, as he, I, I'm grabbing the book now from, from, and but this is
0: really unfair, Peter. What you're up to, <laughs> I just like the you're stealing my Ilan thunder
1: has a, has a nice poem about um whales. Just, stealing the poem want, OK, sure, really well, like. okay, you read it then.
0: Well, what I feel about this is um, Leland is a is much-missed poet in Ireland. She died in 2016. And she has written a really great poem in this book called The Song of the Whale. I'm actually going to be really generous and allow Peter to, to read this poem. And we're going to think about Leland um, as he reads it. Excellent. Um, and the whale beached
1: in this larry. And they brought the JCB and buried it, all 30 foot of it. They said it was black. Shining skin from the sea, grey-blue, some argued, all thirty foot of it. And the whale-men came. They came all the way from Cork, for that is where the whale-men and the dolphin-men hang out. And they made their notes and ecological plans and took blood samples and measured the tide so that the whale now lies under the limestone reaches, proud steps to the summer storm, turquoise and shimmering, guest sea-mammal. Partner of song.
0: And I can almost hear Leland's voice there in that poem. That's a really strong poem. And she's speaking of Corkmen there. I was thinking of Jerry Murphy's poem, What? And maybe we'd, we'd end on this poem and just to say that I would recommend The Word Arc, a pocketbook of animal poems edited by Pat Bourne, illustrated by Gaetino Tranchino, with beautiful illustrations. And this is Jerry Murphy, as usual, the raucous voice from Cork. What? I am up close to the radio, listening late and at low volume to the world service. When the house shudders, my brother is tumbling purposefully down the stairs, 18 stones of spluttering indignation in a tiny red underpants bearing a message from his wife. Would you ever go to bed? You're keeping the canary awake.
1: Oh, the poor canary. And and again, details of all these books are available on our site booksforbreakfast.buzzsprout.com Today's Toaster Challenge guest, Nick Kelly, has had a busy life of many parts. There's a music part, a filmmaking part, and an advertising part. A singer-songwriter, he was the leading part of that fine rock band The Fat Lady Sings. Then there's the collective Alien Envoy. The Unelectables, which I've seen described as a raucous bunch of former future rock stars. Also much solo work. Nick scored a a notable film success as writer and director with his first feature, The Drummer and the Keeper, about the unlikely friendship that develops between a bipolar drummer in a a rock band and a teenage goalkeeper with Asperger's. And it went on to win multiple awards at film festivals uh, around the world. And anybody who saw that will know what a remarkable film it was. I'm actually, I'm getting exhausted already. But as if that wasn't enough there's also a long career in in advertising of which the most recent achievement is an ad for Barry's tea which I'm sure lots of people have seen the one with the the two sisters one in Dublin and one in Brooklyn kind of based on a on a true story. I think you have a fondness for the Atlantical Ocean Nick um if that's fair to say I was thinking that was you wasn't it with the two brothers fighting and, and one swimming across the ocean to make it to make it up.
2: Yeah, well well, New York is is kind of my 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 happy place. I, I went to New York. I was among one of the things that I'm not I don't put on my CV so much is that I actually qualified as a solicitor, uh, but uh, I gave up the same day because I was kind of a useless or I would have been a useless solicitor. But as part of my training, just to stop myself dying of boredom, I got a placement in uh, a huge law firm in New York. I mean, I completely fluked into it. I should never have got there. So I got to spend this transcendent six months uh, in the late 80s in New York City. And that kind of turned when I came back, uh, I started Fat Lady Sings. I gave up all the day I qualified and then I made everybody else give up their jobs and moved to London to try and be rock stars. Um, so New York sort of turned me into it, I just it was so freeing to me. And, you know, since then, uh, I, I got to go back, um, you know, I I after the fat lady sings, I sort of stumbled into being a copywriter, and then I I found that even though I'd never studied art or anything, um, actually writing visual stories is a thing that uh, I think a lot of songwriters are quite visual writers anyway, and sure. I I think maybe I'm more that that bit of my songwriting was it was always more of a thing than it was would have been for different from other people. And so I kind of started writing TV ads, and so then I go back to New York with Michael Fassbender, and you know, because I wrote an ad where he swims to New York to make up after a, a quarrel, and then and then um, and then some years later, uh, MoMA incredibly chose a short film of mine to feature uh, um, in in one of their uh, exhibition of their nine favorite films from around the festival circuit. So I just thought, I'm never going to be in moment for anything ever again in my life. So I have to go over. So I went over and stayed in the Chelsea Hotel for one night, the squalid Chelsea Hotel. And then most recently, um, you know, and then w- w- you know, with the Fat Lady Sings as well, you know, we got to play in New York a lot. So,
1: But it's an ongoing source of
2: inspiration. Yeah, well, even of inspiration and also just of uh, permission, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not so much, it doesn't affirm you, New York, but it doesn't stop you.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I could ask you, Nick, I mean, how how do you balance all all the all the various roles? I mean, do they do they compete with each other? Do they do they give each other a hard time? I mean, they compete
2: in terms of just you know hours and and days and and you know when you're making a film. I think it's very hard to play music. Um, but they, they're pretty complementary as actual disciplines. I mean, I think they're all the same thing, really. Yeah. Um, uh, um, I think everything's, you know, it's funny. When I look back, um, I didn't plan it this way. But but actually, even law is weirdly helpful. Though I wasn't, awesome I don't think I was very cut out to be a lawyer. But that way, of it sort of makes you think in a bit of a logical way. And that's incredibly yeah. helpful for advertising. But also just, you know, in all those kinds of, Creative pursuits there are moments where you have to make decisions um and sometimes there're they're creative decisions and, and sometimes they're you know much more practical you know business decisions but uh, so I think they all sort of they all sort of met uh, they're all they're, they they I, I see a commonality I mean I think between writing you know it's really I mean, it's really weird even like between filmmaking and um music I mean but I like, you know, I like the idea that I'm, a, I'm allowed to do more than one thing. And, and I do think mm. they really cross fertilize in all sorts of strange ways. I mean, I think in terms of if I have my, you know, there's a thing about film, which is kind of very exciting to me because I can't, I've come to it so late in my life. And I, and I honestly don't think I could have made films in my 20s. Uh, I don't think I really had any stories to tell. I was very bad at writing story songs. It was only when I, you know, I think you have to have some edges knocked off to yourself to be able to come to the end of stories somehow. And the other great thing about filmmaking compared to rock and roll is you don't have to be uh, so young and pretty because you can just hire other people to be young and pretty if you're if you're on my side of the camera. So so obviously, just from a purely practical point of view, I mean, I'm very proud of, you know, the last record I made. But, you know, I, 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 I'm not naive about, you know, people that think, oh, it's that guy who wrote Arclight. A quarter of a century mm-hmm. ago, he's got a new record out.
1: I think I, I'm going to I'm going to move you on, Nick, to the just to the um, the the toaster challenge, and you know this this is where, but we put our guess I suppose, under a little bit of pressure in, the, in that you, we give you just two minutes to to talk about okay. a, a book or that meant something to you of that well, doesn't necessarily have to be a favourite, but and this is where I get to put down the the bread in the toaster, and when it's nicely done then you will come to a, a conclusion. So I'm just very curious to see what, what your toaster challenge was. And I'm I'm going to count you into it now. I'm going to put the bread in right now. So here we go. One, 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 two, three.
2: The bread's down. Okay, so the book that I uh, thought I would choose is a, a book by John le Carre. I'm a huge fan of John le Carre. And I always think that if he had written not about spies, but about other things, he would get more critical acclaim because I think he's a, a kind of a beautiful, kind of astonishing chronicler of kind of human beings and different kinds of human beings. And I, I mean, I really love his book, A Perfect Spy, which is about fathers, and I love lots of his books. But the one that probably means most to me is is one of the, is kind of the one of the first I read, which is Smiley's People. Smiley's People is actually the third in a trilogy. So at this point, Smiley, who is a, a small bespectacled cuckolded early German scholar who happens to have been brought in to, as, a, as a broom to clean up the terrible mess of the British Secret Service, which has been betrayed by one of his best friends who also uh, slept with his wife. And he's had every kind of indignity and uh, misery thrown at him. And it's an incredibly exciting book. So even if you haven't read the first two in the trilogy, it starts with this Polish immigrate colonel, Who's who's been let down by the British establishment, but through his sources from the uh, from Eastern Europe, it's all during the Cold War. He gets a little breadcrumb of of information, and through this breadcrumb, Smiley, through all of the things that aren't about shooting and chasing pretty women, but like by really rigorous work with weird the kinds of weird people who end up actually being spies, they finally get trap Carla and get him to defect who's the nemesis on the other side in the Moscow center. Um, and what I love about this book is it's, first of all, the idea of the Secret Service as actually this kind of underfunded kind of land commission kind of place with, where you people have to put their receipts in and, and the kinds of people who end up being spies as opposed to being like James Bond. They're all the kinds of people who very often end up in prison. As Lakari's Lucari himself was a spy and his father was a spy and his father was also kind of a petty crook and a swindler so far uh, so the kinds of people in peacetime who typically end up in debt or bankrupt or in jail they have a good war because those are the kinds of people you need to drop behind enemy lines and so many people like patrick lee Fermor was another one like that so i just love that the the Kari's books are full of those kind of messy weird people who sometimes have a use for the government and right at the end of the book he's he's got the there's a a scene and this is the reason i chose it probably where he, they're waiting in East Berlin, in West Berlin, and there's a bridge over the river, to, and uh, there's a guy who they've they've only ever seen one yeah. photograph thirty years before, and Smiley has once met him, but basically, is this man going to defect? And they see this little shabby character, and the bridge is picked out by arc lights, and I'd never seen that word in a text before, and that's where I got the word, for which gave me my song Arc Lights. So. So I just love that thing at this after this all this huge journey. This little cuckolded uh, kind of recessive kind of spy master finally, his prey is walking across this footbridge into his clutches. Uh, I just love it, and I love the thing that the spies spies are a bit like artists and a bit like uh, um, you know, lawyers. Is they all have much more in common with each other. Than any of them do with the people who employ them or who who go to see them play. So there's a great sympathy and empathy between the two, and you can sure. sort of see. I mean, Lacare's big thing is all about double agents, really. It's like that, you know. To, in order to be a really good spy, you are there's a, a sort of kind of faithlessness and a sort of a, a or a promiscuity at your heart that means that you can always be turned if you meet the right other spy. That's great
1: Nick. I that, that's yeah, that's, that's a perfect description of, of that book. I mean it's funny Le Carré is definitely somebody you I mean you, you read him first years ago and and you've gone back to them. I find that with a lot of writers like that I mean the, the all those political circumstances have changed. I mean the Cold War is a, is a is is a piece of history that we might have forgotten about almost but 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 still that whole world
2: is there and you can enter it at at any time. Well, I think you know. I think Lakari has said himself that you know he was kind of bereft when the when the Berlin Wall came down. And I, I was in Berlin and in in uh, ja- or in February yeah. myself at the Berlin Alley. And you know, it's such a. I mean, there's probably there can be no place in uh, maybe in the planet where so much of the last century's history is concentrated into so such a small square miles as That's Berlin. Right. But um, but I think it was such a you know and you you forget about it i mean the code you know the berlin wall went up the year i was born and came down like i in i was there about 9 months before it came down so it wasn't actually that long a period in the grand scheme of things but for i think for anybody of our sort of vintage it it it, it was such a huge shadow it cast across the world i mean we're worried about pandemics now but i mean we were worried about you know, uh, the, 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 was it the the what's the uh, the uh, the cartoon about the cu- old couple and the nuclear winter? Uh, Raymond Briggs's. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the something with the, when the wind blows. We were, you know, that was our reality, and it's so weird to me. You know, if you go to, you know, Macedonia, or if you go mm. to, you know, Poland now, or, and these are all different countries, and Czech, you know, but we yeah. just thought it Russia started that. You know, the Brandenburg Gate. And that was yeah. how we, we saw it, you know. So, it, so I think it took Lucari a long time to find, um, I think he said himself, a, a new palette. But I mean, all the stuff was about humans, but it was just the, the, the absurdities of the Cold War and the kind of the pressures. I think they were such a good canvas yeah. for, the, for the, those human relations that he wanted to describe. I'm kind of interested in all that kind of the, that, that all that kind of ordinary human, the foibles, the treachery,
1: the the deals, the, the the sheer dodginess of it all. And you mentioned his father. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of his his own life kind of there indirectly, isn't there?
2: Oh, his. I mean, a perfect spy is 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 kind of the best book I've ever read about fathers. I mean, his father. There's a beautiful article in in. I think it was The Independent, uh, where he, it was a sort of bio- long biographical piece. And he talked about his father. So fa- his father was a spy and so sort of was the family business. But he, he, his father was like, he was a sort of a showman and a kind of like a playboy. And he would he was like a confidence trickster. We just, you know, and he would roll up. He, he'd en- enroll um Le Carre in, uh, in a kind of a, pub, a minor public school. And then on sports day, he'd come down in a Rolls Royce with three women, None of whom was Lucari's mother, and they would go to Goodwood, yeah. and they would get him drunk in champagne, and then bribe the the gate the the, the gate lodge master to let him in after hours. And then two months yeah, later, yeah. the headmaster there'd be this terribly embarrassing interview where Lekari would say, "Well, it's unfortunately the fees haven't been paid," and his father would have been convicted and would be in debtors' prison, and so Le then would then be sent to like a, a red brick comp, and then his father would be out again yeah. and mysteriously in funds again, and he had a little crew of kind of devoted disciples around him, and suddenly like Harry be in another public school for a term and a half yeah. so that was his whole life and and I think I think he's incredibly good on I think he's incredibly good on men having a weakness for other men and, and not, uh, not not a, it's not even a sexual thing but like just that the the loneliness and the yearning of, of it's like these like they are like schoolboys. I mean, I know the honourable schoolboy is is one of his mm-hmm. books, but there's there's a sort of a boyish thing yeah. which I and mean, lots of us did sure. never lose, but certainly it continues well <laughs> into middle age. And I think he's really good at that.
1: The great things for me about these um challenges is that they make you want to go back to books you have you you might ready for or to or to go back and, and read books. I mean, I, I I want to read now I haven't read a perfect spy that you, you mentioned there, for instance that and I Now I'm, I've got a burning desire to, 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 to go to it. And thank you to Nick Kelly for accepting this week's Toaster Challenge. Uh, if you want to keep up with Nick's activities, you can go to uh, nickkelly.ie. He's been doing uh, a few concerts streaming uh, through Facebook. If you want to keep up with those, you can, you can find him uh, on Facebook as well.
0: We, I think we've reached the end of our Books for Breakfast podcast this morning. I'm definitely rushing off to have more coffee. Um, and I'm Enda Wiley, and I have Peter Sarah here with me. And Peter, would you like to tell everyone about the details of the podcast if they'd like to listen again?
1: Well, you can subscribe at all the usual sources um, Google and Apple and so on. And if you want to check out the notes that go along with this uh, podcast, you can go to booksforbreakfast.buzzsprout.com.
0: And yeah, so. We'll be back again next Thursday morning. We'll have the toast on. We'll have the kettle boiling. We will have more books to discuss. And we're looking forward to having you here. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.